This program features interviews with respected healthcare industry experts on current topics of substantial national importance. Your host for the program is David Intricasso, a DC-based healthcare policy analyst and researcher. We invite you to comment on the program by visiting thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Now, here's David. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. Again, I'm the host, David Intracasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss the ACA's Section 1332 that allows for state healthcare coverage innovation waivers. With me to discuss the topic is Dr. Stuart Butler, Senior Fellow in Economic Studies at the Brookings Institution. Stuart, welcome to the program. Thank you. My pleasure. Dr. Butler's bio is posted on the podcast website. Very briefly on background, the Affordable Care Act's Section 1332 allows states to develop alternative approaches to health care insurance coverage as long as these insurance programs provide coverage that is at least as comprehensive as the Affordable Care Act's would cover a comparable number of the state's residents and would not increase the federal deficit. As a waiver, the federal government would have to approve a state's plan. Approved plans could go into effect as early as next year. One state that's currently attempting to obtain a 1332 waiver is Colorado. This November 8th, Colorado residents will be asked to vote on Colorado CARE, or Amendment 69 to the Constitution. If passed, the ballot measure would create a financing stream to provide universal health care coverage to all eligible Colorado residents. With me to discuss state waivers is, again, Brookings' Dr. Stuart Butler. With that on background, uh, Dr. Butler, what's the genesis of this uh, provision in the ACA? Well, first of all, it's a very curious provision in a way, because what it essentially says, as, as you pointed out, is that some of the core functions or some of the core aspects of the Affordable Care Act uh, could be uh, waived by the administration. Uh, to allow a state to go down a, a very different path to achieve the roughly similar objectives. The reason this got into the legislation, there are actually multiple reasons, but one is two particular states, Vermont and Oregon, uh, both had ideas for a somewhat different way of approaching uh, universal coverage than the ACA did. Of course, in Vermont, the idea of a single-payer system, and in Oregon, something similar in a way, but allowing the state to really pull together all the money that comes from the federal government and use it uh, in a more effective way, according to the state itself. Uh, in addition, there was uh, considerable pushback by a number of states, uh, particularly uh, the red states, uh, in terms of uh, many of the provisions of the Affordable Care Act and the idea that the state should take the lead in achieving uh, more general health uh, coverage. So for all these reasons, um, this provision was crafted uh, to give states, uh, with the agreement of the administration, to give states considerable latitude to reach the general objectives uh, of that of the Affordable Care Act. So it was kind of a, some people would say, a safety valve uh, to try to keep some uh, um, Republicans and uh, red states on board. Others would say that it was a provision to allow um, the ACA to go much further in reaching more liberal objectives. Okay, thank you. And just as a footnote, speaking of Oregon and red states, so Senator Wyden from Oregon and the former mm -hmm. senator from Utah, Bennett, did have this in their 2007 Healthy Americans Act bill. 
Let's go on to uh, more specifics, since you did state uh, or you used the phrase red states. So I, I did mention Colorado, but leaving Colorado and possibly Hawaii aside uh, for the minute, uh, what expectation do you have then uh, for states to submit waivers? And just let me reference, you uh, published an essay in JAMA Forum recently where you said blue states might see the waiver as an opportunity to create a public option. And speaking of the other Oregon senator, as an aside, uh, Senator Merkley and 21 other Senate uh, Democrats argued in September um, under state innovation waivers, a public option could be achieved. That was a resolution they were discussing. And per your note of red states, you stated in your JAMA Forum essay that red states could further, under 1332, um, their interest by combining Medicaid and premium assistance into a single private marketplace. So these seems attractive to both red and blue states. What's your level of optimism or not on uh, states going forward? It will depend entirely on uh, the way in which the new administration interprets uh, the, uh, this title, 1332. Uh, one of the problems so far has been that the Obama administration, first of all, was very slow to give uh, guidance to states on what they could, how they could expect the administration to respond to um, uh, waiver requests. And then in addition... Um, Towards the end of the of, uh, of this administration, they issued guidance that was very tight in terms of what a state could uh, expect uh, in terms of how the budget neutrality would be considered, the role of Medicaid. They were very restrictive uh, in their guidance, so that really discouraged a lot of states from uh, pursuing this, particularly uh, more conservative states. So we'll see after the election, uh, if, whichever candidate wins. I think you're likely to see. Um, a much more uh, open uh, approach to using this provision. I think if uh, Mr. Trump is elected uh, and if uh, the prospects for outright repeal of the Affordable Care Act uh, are not realized, which I think would be the case, then 1332 would allow states much greater opportunity to avoid uh, many of the tighter provisions of the Affordable Care Act. If Hillary Clinton is elected, I do think that... Um, Again, she will likely see this as a way of cementing uh, the basic elements of the Affordable Care Act by allowing more conservative states to interpret it a little differently. Uh, I think that it will be used by the administration to address some of the um, some of the problems of the uh, Affordable Care Act that uh, it would be risky for her to try to solve through legislation such as the so-called um, family glitch, which is a very, uh, uh, an unfortunate uh, aspect of the Affordable Care Act, which essentially denies uh, subsidies uh, for certain families. Uh, and so I think what you'll see with Hillary Clinton is both using the, affordable, uh, the 1332 uh, provision to fix some of the issues associated with the Affordable Care Act, but also, I think, to try to win over um, some more conservative states so that, you know, at the end of her term or two terms, she can say the Affordable Care Act is, in fact, you know, solidly in place and unlikely ever to be repealed. Great. Thank you. You anticipated my next question relative to the guidance uh, comment you made. Mm -hmm. When you read the provisions in 1332, it's somewhat daunting to submit a waiver. You have to, in part, submit a 10-year budget plan which actually, of course, would require a fair amount of 
actuarial expertise. Under either administration, though, I did want to make note of and ask you what importance or relevance this has. Of course, in the last few months, there's been much discussion about state marketplace performance or stability, uh, due in part to obviously several plans uh, pulling out or participating in certain states. Um, so do you see this as in part uh, a solution to that problem? Yes. I mean, uh, remember that uh, the 3032 uh, provision uh, does not require uh, a marketplace. I mean, a state can pursue a very different approach um, or, or anything short of something you know, radically different. So in other words, one could move towards a single-payer system. Uh, one could move towards a very, very different kind of exchange. One could move towards combining uh, um, the plans that are within the exchange system right now with plans that are outside it. Uh, the uh, exchange system, some of the small group provisions and so on. One of the issues recently has been uh, a number of uh, health insurers finding that they can't attract um, enough uh, healthy young people uh, to their exchange plans, uh, but these people can get coverage uh, elsewhere. So a state could combine together um, the the exchange the exchange that they currently have with you know other uh, parts of their state um, regulated insurance uh, to make it a much more comprehensive system. In other words, there's lots of things that a state could try uh, to to correct the problems with the exchanges. Uh, and 1332 is a, is really an ideal vehicle for them to try to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Since again, I did mention Colorado Care. Um, it would be run as a cooperative, and like Social Security insurance, it's funded largely or would be by payroll tax, two-thirds paid by employer, one-third employee. It would not charge deductibles, and primary and preventative care would not have co-pays. However, if you read uh, Ballotpedia, which has a a lengthy discussion uh, of it and obviously other ballot initiatives throughout the country, um, this uh, Colorado initiative has substantial opposition including uh, the insurer Anthem. Uh, opponents have outraised supporters five to one. The governor opposes Democratic Senator Bennett, the Denver Post. Um, so plans pulling these off uh, beyond satisfying guidances uh, um, have other hurdles. Could you discuss what, and, and particularly, of course, the financing, I think, and you saw in Vermont, they tried this. Right. A Green Mountain plan, they ran into financing troubles and they abandoned in 2014. If a state has the initiative to do this, any, as an economist, any recommendations, suggestions how they might be able to do this uh, with popular support? Well, I think that uh, inside a particular state, I mean, as you pointed out with Colorado or you look at Vermont, uh, there are particularly local state-wide issues and, and interest groups and so on. I think, you know, one way to think about the 1332 provision is it, it's in a sense neutral with regard to what goes on within a state. Um, so a state trying to um, utilize 1332, the first priority, as you essentially alluded to, is to figure out inside the state itself uh, what makes sense, um, what fits uh, the, the various uh, stakeholder groups, but also what fits the particular philosophy of the state, so I think when you look at states like Arkansas, for example, and maybe down the road, Texas, uh, the kind of, of 
structure they would be putting forward would be very different from uh, what Colorado is proposing uh, or what uh, Vermont has done in the past or might revisit again in terms of a single-payer system. So I think I think the beauty, in a way, of 1332 is that it actually is quite neutral with regard to how a state puts together both a political a coalition and a sort of a technical uh, approach, uh, providing that uh, the new administration is open uh, to uh, innovative approaches. I think one of the issues, as I mentioned, with the Obama administration is that in its guidance, it, it really gave much less leeway to states than many of the advocates of 1332 had hoped for. Uh, one example is that essentially uh, it, its guidance prevents states from combining together in any real way Medicaid with uh, the exchange subsidy system and really keeps those two programs completely separate. Many of us who were very interested in 1332 being in the ACA envisioned that you would see the boundary between Medicaid and uh, the subsidy system under the exchanges essentially disappear for large segments of the Medicaid population. Um, a new administration could reinterpret that. Uh, if that's the case, then I think it is a lot more opportunity for states to put together uh, not just a good uh, creative technical approach, but something that really does address uh, stakeholder issues within that state itself. And so I think that, that a new administration could give a state like Colorado um, a much stronger green light to experiment with ways to try to put together uh, a coalition to move forward to its objective of a, essentially a single-payer system. Thank you. We, we've implied this, self-stated explicitly, that if a state goes down this road, the state then gets um, deposited in its account the subsidy dollars. So the, the subsidy dollars in the ACA do continue, but then they go to the state. Would it be too right. crude, per your Medicaid comment, would it be too crude to state that 1332 could be interpreted as really as one? Now, again, as long as you meet the criteria that I noted in the opening, uh, is it too crude to say this is really largely just one large block granting program? Well, uh, of course, block grant has all kinds of negative connotations right, yes. because people think of that as, as handing over to the state uh, essentially complete control of those dollars, right. and there's always fears about how misspending the effect. Right, right. That's not that's not the process that, that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a true. Uh, partnership between the states and the federal government, mm -hmm. and the federal government acting as, um, you know, to the judge over whether the um, objectives of the Affordable Care Act are being realized. So it's important to kind of see it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and given that, then I think one could look at, one could imagine some very interesting um, arrangements being put forward in the future, maybe not in the first few months of this new administration, but I think over time, one could imagine some very interesting provisions being uh, proposed as being put forward by a state that um, really solve um, some of the glitches within the Affordable Care Act in quite creative ways and in ways that really work within a particular state and might not work more generally. I think if you think about how we move forward now, um, post-Affordable Care Act, I think, you know, one view of the world is 
the whole country has to move forward in the same way. The other view of the world is to say, we, we have some general objectives, and we have some criteria, the so-called uh, uh, you know, guardrails of, the, uh, of this provision. But let's see, let, let's encourage sort of, uh, you know, laboratories of democracy to figure out the best ways mm-hmm. to advance those objectives. And that's, what I, that's why I'm such a, a strong supporter of this provision, uh, even though I'm a, more on the conservative side than the more liberal side, but because I think that it will encourage this, this very diverse approach and each state will learn from the others. And over time, I think we will see certain kinds of approaches um, emerging as patterns uh, within states. So, so it's a very effective way, I think, of allowing adjustments in a major piece of legislation like the Affordable Care Act without having to keep going back to Congress mm-hmm. and, and trying to get through new provisions that, that apply everywhere in the country. Uh, and, and many of those provisions will be strongly opposed by certain states and certain areas. Um, 1332 allows you to adjust to those differences of philosophy, of approach, and so on in different parts of the country. Yes, thank you. You mentioned Arkansas. I, of course, noted Colorado, Vermont. There's Hawaii, which has over 90% insured because they have a prepaid health care act which requires employers to provide coverage, and they're trying to figure out how to um, connect the dots between uh, their employer mandate and 1332. Let me ask this as a as a possibly a, a going out question. What what you know? This is very intriguing. The interrelationships here between this waiver, state Medicaid programs, um, but let me throw in one other variable, and that's and I know this is not. Um, it's gone in the other direction. There are far more states now. We're down in Maryland, and you know where I'm going, and that's on single payer. Um, so, is there do you see any connection between states moving in this direction and then having? a Maryland-like program where, say, at least you start with hospitals falling under that, the Maryland waiver? I think that's one, uh, uh, one approach that you'll see occurring. Uh, uh, Maryland is a very interesting example of a state that has a, a somewhat different approach than almost any other state mm-hmm. in terms of uh, so-called global budgets for hospitals, um, where they got to block amount of money and they have to meet certain criteria. And, and so forth. Um, so I, I think you'll see just a lot of variations of that model. I think you'll also see the, uh, the other end, if you like, of the spectrum. I think you'll see some interesting approaches to, to take Medicaid and also parts of the Affordable Care Act and essentially um, make that into uh, a direct subsidy for individual families to purchase insurance wherever it makes sense for them to do so through their employer uh, in the market in some way. Uh, and you'll see some states looking at uh, a model like that. So I, I think the beauty of this is, is that it doesn't presuppose any one approach if, if an administration is truly open to with the intent of, the, of the, this provision. It will allow a sort of a competition of approaches so that the country as a whole can learn from these and can have diversity uh, providing uh, the basic objectives of coverage and affordable coverage are achieved in these waivers. And I think that's, the, that's what you'll see. And, and I think we could spend an hour talking about the, about the, the varieties of approaches that, mm-hmm. that could be developed. And there are many neither of us would have thought of that uh, could be coming down the pike in two or three years. 
So I, I think it's a, an extremely important provision of the Affordable Care Act. I think it's one that will energize innovation, providing that the administration sees it in that way and doesn't either try to clamp down on state innovation, which has been, to some extent, uh, criticism of this current administration, um, or that it um, isn't a free-for-all that, that, that um, tries to ignore the, the basic protections of the Affordable Care Act. If it's somewhere between those two extremes, then I think the new administration could do a lot to achieve uh, really very broad agreement on the idea that people should have affordable, available um, coverage and protection in this country, and yet allow that to be, to be achieved in very different ways mm -hmm. uh, and to be evaluated. Well, thank you. Again, to use the word intriguing, it is exactly that. It will be very interesting to see come the spring, uh, whomever is elected, how they evolve or develop or address this. So with that, Dr. Uh, Butler, genuinely appreciative for your time. Thank you so much. You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website, thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and please listen again soon.